Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and the Trump presidency for the New Spectator USA website. I'm joined today by John Rick MacArthur, who is the president of Harper's Magazine. Uh, and I think it's fair to say a big Bernie Sanders fan. And we're going to be asking, can Bernie Sanders win? Now, Rick, we've had the news that Bernie Sanders is going to run in 2020. Now, I thought, not, not that I'm an, any big expert on this, but I thought all along that he would run. And I thought there was this strange sort of unwillingness among uh, Democratic pundits to acknowledge that he was going to run and that if he did choose to run, that he would be the overwhelming favourite. Because it seems to me he should be the favourite, if you look at it. What do you think? Well, yes, I, I, the reluctance is not reluctance, it's hostility. I think there's a tremendous amount of hostility towards Sanders from, for want of a better word, uh, the, the mainstream press. And it's, it's the, by the mainstream press, I, I mean the Washington Post, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and I guess you'd include certain networks uh, like MSNBC and, and uh, the main network, CBS, ABC, NBC, because he is absolutely inflexible in his reform-mindedness. W- the way he talks, I just watched the entire uh, conversation he had on CBS uh, this morning, where he made his announcement that he was running in an interview. And there is a kind of, I suppose, honorable but also annoying rigidity about him in his insistence on reform. In other words, he's just cuts them no slack. Uh, that, so that when the the people inside the Beltway ask people, ask him a question, say, well, don't you think that Medicare for all is a bit much to swallow? He goes, well, I mean, we had Medicare in 1964 when it was introduced. Uh, we managed, we have a Veterans Administration uh, a system of hospitals for veterans. We have Medicaid. We have all these big organizations. We have all these big bureaucracies. I, it doesn't seem like it's too hard to. Whereas an ordinary politician would say, "Well, yes, we're going to have to go through a period of transition." Yes. Kind of he mocks he mocks it. And he refuses to to compromise with the status quo. Right. I we saw it because in Harper's we published a piece back in November 2016 by Thomas Frank about the Washington Post relentless attacks on him. I remember I remember that was a brilliant piece. By which it, I mean editorial and op-ed, not the news coverage. The news coverage itself was a little bit uh, more fair. But the editorial and op-ed commentary ran 90% against Sanders, and it was always along the same lines. Impractical, not even, they wouldn't even say he's, an, he's a crazy idealist. They'd say he's just, a, he's just impractical. It can't be done. As if people had said in 1947 that the NHS just can't be done. And 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 let me remind and let me remind you as Sanders would I hope he's going to start reminding people. Harry Truman, not exactly a communist, proposed uh, universal national health care in 1948. So or 1949, I've forgotten the year, but uh, it went down to defeat. But it's it's been tried before. It's not a new idea. And not only that, but a lot of his rivals now for the Democratic nomination are proposing the same thing. And so, in a way, the party has shifted to where he was four years ago. Right. And that's where you get into the, the, the question of can he win? 
because the hostility that I'm talking about has been so evident in the New York Times in the last two months. It's just astonishing. They've been promoting. Uh, I mean, you can't keep people out of the race. And we've got we've now got a uh, Kamala Harris. We've got Cory Booker, who are black. Uh, we've got Elizabeth Warren, who's obviously a woman, a white woman. Uh, now we've got Kirsten uh, Gillibrand, the uh, senator from New York, who's a, who's white. Uh, you have a variety of women and people of color running already who all claim to be progressives, to some extent marching behind the Bernie Sanders standard. And the question is, are the authentic reformers, are they authentic progressives? I don't think they are. But one thing you can be sure of is that the New York Times and the establishment media are applauding them vociferously because they know they are going to chop up the Sanders vote. Uh, they're, they're bound to get some of his votes. And if they get enough of his votes, they will be able to deny him the nomination in favor of somebody like Joe Biden or, heaven forbid, Hillary Clinton. So this, I think, is the strategy of the mainstream media and the mainstream Democratic Party. A better person, if, if you're really interested in following this, is to read the columns of Paul Krugman of The New York Times, who is always backing and filling, but criticizing Sanders for going too far. It's impractical. Yeah, universal health care sounds like a great idea, but it's impractical. And it, it might push the party too far left and, and thus down to defeat. Well, it seems like the, I mean, already on Twitter, we're seeing a bit of it, that that's going to be the way that his Democratic rivals go after him or, or that people who oppose him will go after him on the Democratic side is, is about diversity. They're going to just go with his identity, which is that he's male and he's white. And so he's therefore not as colourful as a lot of the female or minority candidates that have already announced. I mean, as far as the New York Times brain is concerned, I think that's going to be the weak, the weak spot, right? Right. And I like to be specific. I told you the Times has been leading the charge against Sanders for quite a while now, a couple of months. They started out with stories about sexism in the Sanders campaign in 2016, where they yeah. found some women who felt they were treated badly, disrespected. No cases of sexual harassment that I can recall, but generally uh, a male-dominated, insensitive atmosphere uh, for certain women in certain states. Now, the Sanders campaign quickly responded and, and said, we're, this is terrible. Now that we know about it, we're going to try to fix it and so on. And we'll apologize to the people who were offended and so on. But it was really small beer. It was small little examples in a hugely decentralized organization that grew from nothing to something huge in just a few months. And, yes. and, uh, and so if I had been Sanders, I think I would have been a little bit sharper and more sarcastic. But he did apologize to these people who were unhappy about the way they were treated. But it doesn't stop. You cannot apologize enough to these people. So yesterday they ran a, a story on the front page of The Times with the headlines, Sanders task for black vote, colon, fixing damage. And if you read this story and if you read the jump head, you find, which uh, is even crazier, you find nothing serious to suggest that Sanders was insensitive to, insensitive to blacks during his campaign. It is true he had difficulty breaking through and getting black people to vote for him. But so did Jesse Jackson in 1988, a black candidate. 
because yeah. the mainstream Democratic Party has a lot of power uh, uh, over black voters, especially in southern cities and southern states, where they're, uh, which I would call machine states, South Carolina, Georgia, uh, Texas, states like that. So, yes, he had trouble breaking through, but no, he doesn't deserve a headline. This is the jump headline. Sanders challenged Colin proving himself to black voters he alienated in 2016. There's yeah. nothing in the story that suggests that he alienated any black people, just that he failed to convince them that he was a better candidate than, than Hillary Clinton. Like I said, there's a tremendous hostility towards him, and he, this will continue. He's not diverse enough. He doesn't have enough women in the campaign, enough blacks on his leadership council, et cetera, et cetera. But let's talk about the machine, because, I mean, four years ago, he was up against the Clinton machine, you know, arguably the most sort of powerful force in democratic politics, certainly at the time. Uh, but now he's not. And in fact, you know, as, as we've already said, the party has become more like him. Therefore, the machine that he fought against four years ago is, is, is not really what it was. And so you would think it doesn't matter how much media mud they sling at him, they don't really have the system to stop him winning primaries that they had before. Oh, yes, they do. The, the machine is still powerful, and it's angry. It is angry. They're angry about losing to Trump, and they're angry that Sanders and these other uh, somewhat left-wing candidates are challenging their authority. And there's this rebellion in the House with people like uh, Ocasio-Cortez, who beat a machine Democrat in New York, who's the toast of Washington. And uh, so... The party is somewhat roiled at this point. However, the bosses still rule the party. Nancy Pelosi, machine Democrat. Steny Hoyer, her, her number two, a machine Democrat. Charles Schumer, the Senate minority leader, a machine Democrat. Very much organization people who do not want someone like Sanders, and they don't want Elizabeth Warren either, to be the nominee of the party. Uh, they're horrified by this possibility. And they have a lot of weapons at their disposal. And the primaries that were closed to independent voters in, in 2016 are still closed. New York State, Pennsylvania, uh, I've forgotten the other ones, but New York State and Pennsylvania were the two key ones where independents couldn't vote. You had to be a registered Democrat months in advance in order to participate in the primary and, and vote for uh, Sanders. And Sanders didn't have a chance in Pennsylvania or, or New York because they were too late getting their independent fans to register. By the time they realized Sanders had a serious campaign, the New York State deadline had passed by months and months and months. But even so, his, his movement has grown, if anything. He's really a more formidable force in terms of his network and his outreach. Unless something bad goes badly wrong, it's likely to be a more organized campaign, is it not? Yes, I think he's going to be more organized. He's going to be ready to handle uh, more than he did, he did before. And it'll be harder for the mainstream Democrats, the Clinton-Obama Democrats, to disrespect him publicly or to say that he's impractical. But uh, by the way, I just want to add something. On, on the black vote, uh, where he did have trouble, it is an odd fact that he did very little to promote his activity as a civil rights a demonstrator and activist in the 60s. There's a picture of him being arrested at a civil rights demonstration in the 60s when Hillary Clinton was still a Goldwater, a little girl, a girl for Goldwater, not that far from her her Republican roots. Mm. Uh, so I 
it, it doesn't make any sense. But there is a formidable media democratic power nexus that will go all out to stop Sanders and will go all out to stop Sanders and Warren if Warren becomes a factor because she's the she's the most formidable uh, rival to uh, to Sanders right now. And I and I agree with you that he's going to be more organized. He's going to do better. He's going to have a better campaign. He'll be sharper and and also that he'll uh, he'll be able to ridicule Trump even more forcefully because Trump has now has a record uh, that he has to run on. So Sanders ought to be able to to do better. I think he would have beaten Trump if he if it had been Sanders Trump in 2016. But you cannot underestimate, you cannot overstate the determination of the Democratic Party to stop reform, to stop insurgency. But I I think they would rather lose with a Hillary Clinton or a, or a Joe Biden than win with a Bernie Sanders, many of them. But, but what I'd say to that is that, I mean, if you look at the Labour Party in Britain, you look at the Republican Party with Trump, you know, the established parties and the Democrats show signs of the same decay are, are carcasses, really, and they are ripe for takeovers by insurgents. And they just about got away with it in 2016, and Clinton just about managed to hold off Sanders. But I don't see how they do it this time. You, I, I think you are far more knowledgeable about this than me, but I just can't see how the, the, the elite resistance that you're describing is going to be strong enough to stop him this time. Well, the other, the other strategy that they used in 1972 was to let George McGovern, a reformer and an insurgent, have the nomination and then pull the plug on him. The regular Democrats, the regular national organization just didn't didn't support him. The the AFL-CIO at the time, run by George Meany, actually declared its neutrality uh, between a Democrat and a Republican, between McGovern and Nixon. So the anti-reform people in the party might conceivably let Sanders have the nomination and then actively work to subvert him, to, to, uh, to uh, undermine him during the general campaign. Now, that's a, tr- that's a tricky one with Trump in the White House. But again, you cannot, again, overestimate or overstate, rather, the, the determination of these people to crush reformers. They hate reform like a virus. I mean, they, they reject it like a virus. It's just, uh, and Sanders is a genuine reformer. This is what I keep trying to tell my friends who say, well, he's too old, he's too white, he's from a small state with too many white people. I say, okay, give me an alternative of somebody who's actually uh, says what he believes and is determined to try to do something about it. It's just, it's very rare in politics. Let's say he does win the nomination, uh, which I don't think is the unreasonable possibility. It seems to me that Sanders would be more effective against Trump than a more establishment Biden-type figure, although I'm not sure the polls necessarily bear me out on this. But I'd look at the rural areas where Sanders did so well, and particularly the poor areas, West Virginia, for for instance, he did brilliantly. And that is where he could really hurt Trump, because, of course, Trump's coalition was was quite a working-class coalition. And if the working classes bleed towards Sanders, that would make him quite formidable. Yes. And the other example where Trump, uh, sorry, where Sanders beats Trump is in the Midwestern industrial states, the, the Rust Belt states, where Trump won the electoral college, won basically the electoral college vote. 
and I'm speaking specifically of Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. People need to remember that that Sanders beat Clinton in the primaries in Wisconsin and Michigan because he appealed to the alienated white working class who'd been who lost their jobs because of NAFTA or because of trade deals or just because of general indifference from the Democratic Party, where mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton didn't campaign much, uh, where Barack Obama didn't do much to help intervene in the Flint water crisis, for example. He didn't win the primaries in Ohio. Uh, he didn't win the primary in Pennsylvania, which was closed, uh, where Clinton had a big advantage. But you're right. He has a tremendous advantage with these ordinary lower middle class folks who Trump was able to appeal to because they felt ignored by Hillary Clinton and Clinton type elitism. And he has a tremendous advantage and he can articulate what he wants to get done better than Trump and in a more effective way because he's been a senator and he's he's passed legislation. Trump so far has done nothing except pass a tax cut. For the rich. I don't want to go all Trumpist on you, but I mean, Trump could point at the economy and say, you know, how's your 401k doing or whatever the, 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 the line he was going to planning on using in his next election campaign. You know, yes. the middle classes have done OK in the last few years. I think that's fair to say. Absolutely. And, and Tom Frank pointed out in, in another piece we, we published called the Trump re-election nightmare. What happens if Trump connects with black people finally? Not with Joe Biden. Uh, not Joe Biden connecting with black people, but Trump connecting with black people saying, what? because essentially that's what Trump said to them in 2016. What have you got to lose? The Democrats yeah. haven't done anything for you. Take a chance with me. Now, the economy is doing better. We don't know why. We can't credit Trump with anything particularly. Maybe the tax cut helped. But yes, that could be effective reelection campaign uh, rhetoric for him. Uh, you know, stay the course. The economy's booming, and uh, Bernie Sanders is a is a dangerous left winger who wants to take away your insurance, your private insurance. Finally, Rick, you yourself are a dangerous uh, left winger, and you've you've met Bernie. You you know Bernie a bit, don't you? I mean, yes. I I suppose the obvious question is, you know, seventy seven. It is quite old, isn't it? I mean, it's 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 getting older than than even older older candidates have been before. I mean, is that going to be a problem for him? Is he is he mentally all there? Is is he going to have the energy to do another campaign, which is of course a hugely exhausting thing? Mentally, he's definitely all there from talking to him. I've talked to him that much, but he's he's very he's very funny, very acerbic, and has a good sense of humor. He's funnier in private than he is in public. But the age is an issue. I can't say whether he's got physically got the energy to do it. He says he does. What I wish he would do is, and I actually suggested it to him, was that he uh, name a vice presidential running mate early who's younger than he is so that voters would know, look, if our elderly president can't can't hang in there, this is who we're going to get if he resigns in in the middle of uh, his first term or in the middle of the second term. This is the this is the next president or likely next president. Uh, And the guy I think would fit the bill perfectly is Sherrod Brown, the senator from Ohio, who is also talked about as a presidential candidate and, again, would be the most a very effective opponent for Trump because 
He's always been against NAFTA, always been against the trade deals, and has distanced himself from the regular Democratic Party on trade issues, on NAFTA particularly. And just one re-election in Ohio by six percentage points in a very hostile atmosphere where Trump easily took Ohio. But there, there'd presumably be quite a lot of pressure if Sanders gets that far. There'd be quite a lot of pressure on him to choose a woman uh, or a minority. I mean, if there was another male white person in, in a party that obsesses over diversity, that could be a problem. And I actually think it's the contrary, that if he if he caves into that kind of pressure, Trump will make fun of him. He'll say, look, he picked, uh, he picked, po- he picked Pocahontas. That's what he calls Warren as his running mate or whomever. And he'll make he'll make he'll make fun of it, and it will hurt it will hurt uh, Sanders because it'll look like tokenism. If he were to say, "Look, I picked the best person for the job. I think Sherrod Brown is the best uh, available vice president, and he speaks to the working class concerns in Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin uh, that got Trump elected in the first place." You want to get the White House back? Uh, vote for me and uh, and my my white working class. Buddy over here, I don't think tokenism is going to be is going to do the trick. And you see, that's the thing again. That's Trump's great talent, is he says, "I don't do tokenism, I don't do diversity, I don't have any pretense about this." And a lot of people find that refreshing. They find it very refreshing that he, I don't kowtow, He says. Now, of course, he does kowtow when it suits him. You know, when it uh, it sounds good, it sounds better than an equivocating Democrat going on and on about diversity. Well, Trump famously said in his State of the Union recently that um, America will never be a socialist country. And that was seen as a, I mean, the cameras all panned to Sanders, who was sitting there looking quite unhappy. Well, Sanders, Sanders, I hope, will be trained to say America will become a liberal democracy again, or America will become a social democracy again. We, we were on the verge of becoming a social democracy under Lyndon Johnson and, and even under Richard Nixon, and then we fell back under Reagan. And now we're finally going to make it as far as England <laughs> or, <laughs> or, or France or some, some, some country that doesn't sound too frightening to America. C- Canada, he, he was very effective on TV today saying, why do people say we can't have price controls on the pharmaceutical companies, or we can't have national health insurance. Just drive 50 miles north to Quebec, and they have a very good healthcare system. And pharmaceuticals, uh, drugs, uh, medicines are half what they cost here. And nobody says that Canada is a socialist country or a communist country or uh, on on the verge of becoming Venezuela. That's another funny one that uh, Trump is always saying. Elect Bernie Sanders and you'll have uh, Venezuela before you know it. And I think Bernie's going to be smart enough to make hay with that, to make fun of it, because he uses the Canadian example very often, which is a better, that's probably a better way to go than 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 the UK or France. Or Venezuela, yeah. Or Venezuela. Or, Ve- or Venezuela. Rick, it's fascinating to talk to you as always, and um, I'm sure we'll talk again before this race uh, even begins properly. Thank you very much, Freddie. Thank you very much for listening. Just a reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and you can also subscribe to the magazine through our special podcast offer, which is on www.spectators.co.uk forward slash pod offer. And we'll even throw in a spectator moleskin notebook for people who take up that offer. <laughs> <laughs>